Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the New Ethiopian Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porry, and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. Hello, Richard. Wow. Wow. What a week. What a week. We've been talking before. <laughs> I have, yeah. Constantly, almost, sometimes. <laughs> In my ear, day and night. Um, we have got quite the news for you, of course, this week. Quite the news section, because it's been very newsy, both here and um, across the pond. We'll get to that. Um, we've got a wonderful guest We've got a uh, new European columnist and uh, comedians hate to be called Funny Man. So Funny Man, Mitch Ben, um, will also be joining us uh, in a few minutes. Musical um, Funny Man. Musical Funny Man, yeah. But like... Um, like Richard uh, Stillgang. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly like that, a modern day. Um, of course, and then we will crown a Brexiteer of the week. Uh, but Steve, I think we've got a start in the US of A, haven't we? Well, we have. I mean, you you listening to this are, are at an advantage uh, to us, not just because you're better looking and better paid, <laughs> all of that, um, but because you probably know who the President of the United States is, whereas we we still don't know. But it does look like it might be Joe Biden, um, which is uh, which is obviously very lovely. And I've got to say that as good as a as a, a, a democratic landslide might have been and a complete repudiation of Trump and all he, he stands for, as wonderful as that would have been, it, it's it's almost better in some way that it's going to be... Is it like... Um, um, so close. It... If Biden wins and that, that Trump will be eternally tortured by this, as, as you would imagine somebody like Hillary Clinton still is. Is it a little bit like um, if you're, you know, when it always means a bit more, doesn't it? If you're... If you if your team's rubbish for ninety minutes and then sort of steals a victory right at the last minute, well, um, there is there is an element of that, isn't there? And of, and of course, he has introduced this idea of just stopping when the ninety minutes is up. <laughs> and there's no yes. need for the the injury time, and it's it's absolutely amazing. Now, what different world it would be mm. if things just stopped when one person was in the lead quite late on. Liverpool would have won the league in 1989, wouldn't they? Yeah, well. Michael Thomas. <laughs> yes, it's up for grabs now. Oh, no, it isn't. The referee's blown his whistle. Bayern <laughs> Munich would have won the Champions League in 1999. There would be no no treble. Matt probably Gunnar Solskjaer probably wouldn't be the Man United manager now, in fact, would he? Well, he probably won't be by the time you listen uh. to this anyway. Matt Damon would have got away with it at the end of The Departed. Imagine <laughs> the winning run that Blofeld would have been on and the Daleks. 
without all of that, we, we wouldn't know what Rosebud meant. We wouldn't you know who, who is Kaiser Soze, we'd all be asking. So amazing, really. It has been quite something. Did you did you stay up? You did, didn't uh, you? I know you I were planning. I, I got a bit of sleep. I, was, I, I sort of woke up. Uh, I woke up at about midnight and then yeah. um, and then I got another bit of sleep before I had to rewrite my new European column. So I was, um, yeah. I, that was kind of how I did it. I set the alarm for, for two, four and six. Yeah, And too. then sort of did an hour and then went off for an hour. But it was, I mean, I, I was sort of half awake, half asleep when, when Trump spoke and I, and and I was a bit like, I'm not entirely like sure Trump. if, well, yeah, but I was a bit like, I'm not entirely sure that that actually happened. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm not too sure the implication of that. And then when I was getting ready for work and it was being replayed on the morning news, I was like, wow, that is chilling. It's absolutely chilling. It is. It was, it was very chilling. I'll, I'll tell you what else is chilling. And I've written about this in the, in the, the print edition of the new European this week. And, um, and obviously, it's slightly out of date now. Um, but I've spent I've spent the last two weeks sort of lurking in a British British people for Donald Trump um, group on Facebook. And um, obviously, now it's quite a different place um, at the moment. They're they're all crying about um, voter fraud and stuff like this. And you know, they might be vindicated uh, in the end. Um, but that is that was really chilling. I mean, it was chilling not just because they were totally convinced that he was going to win, and it was God's plan, God's plan, dark to light. One one sort of woman wrote. These were all people from the UK as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought that the polls were fixed, you know, um, and 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 going to be wrong. Um, uh, a guy from Portugal said that you know there would be that all the polls were rigged. Um, a, a British expat in Portugal, rather. Um, some guy from Nutsford, he said it's exa- going to go exactly the same as Brexit. All the loony left kept um, claiming they would win. The polls indicated that we would win. Um, we shut them all down. They, the, the amount of people who like Donald Trump because he tells it how it is. I love it when he drops a swear word. It says he's down to earth. I've said a bloke from Rotherham. Uh, I wish we had most sensible Brits wish we had his clone to drain our Westminster swamp, wrote a woman from Largs in Scotland. Loads of people showing betting slips with large amounts of money placed on a Donald Trump win. I've had four grand on him and not told my wife, said one bloke. Um, and they, But the, 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 the chilling thing was the amount of hate there is, you know, that, that, and that is not going to go away even if Donald Trump loses. Um, so I've written about that, you know, they, these people hate liberals, uh, flood the streets with those woke liberal nut, nut jobs, salty tears, uh, said one bloke. There's a woman from Castleford who said the Democrats are like jackals screaming for Trump's death. They're corrupt and utter disgrace to humanity. They are the deep state. Woman from Cambridge going on about Biden being part of a huge crime family. You know, it, it, this is not going to go away. Um, it's really scary. You can check out more of that in the print edition of the New European. Um, but oh, it doesn't make it you is. feel good. It is scary because... Well, they also said Gogglebox was, is biased. That's a big thing for these people. Gogglebox is hopelessly biased. Against <laughs> what? Yeah. So biased against Donald. It's run by liberal freaks in Channel 4. So I, have to, I have to say, I've only seen Gogglebox... Um, a couple of times. One time it made me cry, actually. Um, but what, what 
isn't it just people watching TV? I mean, there's not it some is. big news slant, is there, on Gogglebox? Well, I, I mean, I'm not a regular viewer of Gogglebox, but it's uh, it's it's blatantly leftist pile, just like everything on TV now. It's drip, 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 constant brainwashing. The only programme I watch is The Big Bang Theory, said, said one British woman. Amazing. Well, the, you know, the, 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 the scary thing is, of course, that, um, that after four years of Donald Trump... Um, they still so many Americans think that he is um, the right choice to be uh, the, the president of the United States. Now, of course, oh, there will be Republicans who will only ever vote Republican in there. Um, but, uh, you know, really, I, it, it does say a lot about Biden as a candidate, I'm afraid. I don't think he's very good. And I think running on the fact that you're not Donald Trump is not a really positive way to run a campaign. In fact, it's pretty much everything... You shouldn't do when launching a political campaign is to just say I'm better than that guy and point over, you know, point over to Donald Trump or whoever it might be. Um, so that was, you know, it hasn't been a good campaign by Biden. Obviously, I'm delighted that it very much looks like he's going to win. I think um, I've been using the New European and the Financial Times for my main coverage, and they've they've got him at two six four now. Um, and which basically means that he's he's over the line. And Nevada's looking very good. I'm sure you guys will know that by the time you listen to this. But um, but he's got a massive job in front of him because there's no way he's reunited. He's, he's uniting this nation um, in the next four years. Like you say, there is a lot of people with a lot of hatred out there. That's not everyone who voted for Donald Trump, of course. But there is a no. significant proportion of people who have swallowed his. Um, well, frankly, bullshit, and um, and and the conspiracy theories are, you know, that that he has given fuel to. And I was reminded about the, the letter that George Bush Senior left. Yes, amazing. Um, I saw it on Twitter. Left Bill Clinton, and he says, you know, I wish you every success because your success is our country's success now. You are our president. That was a Republican handing over to a Democrat, and it seems like a million years ago doesn't it because i can tell you something there will be no nice letter and words of wisdom from donald trump to joe biden and the inauguration is going to be a very tense affair isn't it it certainly is yeah it certainly is um i wonder whether donald trump will, will, will even be will, there will even go will even go if biden um if biden wins i have got a theory about um about the the, the the Trump vote and the, the size of the Trump vote, but I thought I'd save that for when we got Mitch on. All right, uh, yeah. I thought we should before we do talk to Mitch. You know, we, obviously the 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 trade deal deadline, the secret deadline of November the sixteenth is is looming, isn't it? Mm. Um, Barney is saying there's still a lot of divergences in trade talks. The EU seem to be waiting for Biden's win to be confirmed, which will then make it tougher for us because there'll be no US trade deal in sight. Biden will be putting pressure um, on the UK over the withdrawal agreement changes and what they mean to the Good Friday agreement. Um, I mean, the schedule seems to be that, you know, Barnier will be over here next week talking to David Frost. Um, then he's got to go back um, at the end of next week and, and and sell it to the EU. So we've basically got a week to comp complete the, the meat of the, of the deal. And there's still, you know, state aid, fisheries, all these kind of things. State aid is the biggest 
stumbling block. How do you see this going? And um, did you see um, our friend Liz Truss, uh, uh, her remarkably ill-judged Chatham House speech, which I, I think was um, last weekend? Innovation phobic. Yeah, he, she said that she basically, in the middle of a, a, of a negotiation, she insulted the EU, innovation phobic, which I think is a quote from Thatcher, a narrow-minded, inward-looking club. It's left our economy spending decades in the slow lane. Uh, I mean, I've got a lot of things that I think about Liz Trust, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure if I'd want to, I'd want to ruin your um, a minute of the podcast uh, telling you about them. Um, I, I think... You know, I'm I am so weary now, so so, <laughs> so very weary, weary. So weary now. Not of getting the best Brexit deal. Um, you know, I've become resigned to the fact that we are going to Brexit, and we need to, you know, we need to look beyond that as to getting back in. But equally, I don't want to scupper this country's chances just so we scupper back in in five years. I, you know, it's so, it's so tricky. What do we do? I really don't know. What actually would be the best is a fair deal for Britain and a fair deal for the EU. If we haven't got time to do it now, then we've got to extend. And, you know, this is a government which likes an extension. Um, oh, it's like carry on podcast. No, I meant that um, they have extended the furlough scheme uh, just this very few yes. before we started recording. And that is a sensible decision. Um, and why not extend, give us another year, as we should have done at the start of this year, when this terrible, awful pandemic arrived, to give ourselves more time. Why are we rushing? Why has it got to be at breakneck speed? It's not good for anyone if it is. But just please, someone with common sense, you know? But yeah. That's all I've got to say about it. That is literally all I've got to say about it because it's so depressing. I'm sorry. It is. I know this is a Brexit podcast, but it is so depressing. Liz Truss added that she was now seeking what I've come to call British shape deals. <laughs> what more we can achieve. Wow. Shaped deals. Does she include um, Northern Ireland in the shape? Well, I don't know what shape she thinks Britain is, but uh, but I, I do. Have you seen this government analysis which says that the, 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 uh, the big trade deal, her first trade deal, um, she's, it, it, there's government analysis of this that says that in this new trade deal with Japan, Japanese exports get 83% of the benefits <laughs> of it, and UK exporters get 17% uh... of the benefits of it. So it's more pear-shaped than British shapes, I would say. The other thing that I wanted to, to discuss was, um, and, and I don't know if you've read it, listeners, if you've not read Rory Stewart, on Boris Johnson in the Times Literary Supplement. You can it's you can read one article from Times Literary Supplement free on the internet. Make it uh, this one. It's a review of the book The Gambler by Tom Bower, which is a book that's been criticised for being very kind to Boris Johnson while being very unkind to his father, Stanley Johnson. Uh, Tom Bower has written a lot of critical biographies of people, hasn't he? But he's also married to Veronica Wadley. Um, who was the editor of the Evening Standard when Boris Johnson was the mayor of London. Um, lots of people credit her for getting him that job. Um, and she's recently um, got a life peerage from Boris Johnson. She also um, got a very nice job straight after she left the Evening Standard. Uh, did. She went into City Hall, didn't she, with right, Boris yeah. Johnson. Um, it's great. Have you read it? I haven't, I haven't read it, no. The Rory no. Review. Well, basically, he says that Boris Johnson is very mean. 
um, uh, uh, notoriously reluctant to reach for his wallet. He says that he once lost a thousand pound bet to Max Hastings and sent Max Hastings an envelope with a note saying check enclosed and there was no check enclosed. <laughs> he's the most accomplished liar in public life. He's mastered the use of error, omission, exaggeration, diminution, equivocation, flat denial, perfected casuistry, circumlocution, uh, false equivalence, false analogy. He's adept at the ironic jest, the fib, the grand lie, the weasel word, the half-truth. Um, he, he talks about Boris Johnson's lack of attention to detail and not really, you know, in, being interested in it. He says when he was foreign secretary, Rory Stewart worked in the, uh, as one of his ministers of state. And he said, I want to do something for charismatic megafauna, which means animals, basically. <laughs> uh, Rory Stewart then went away um, and produced a plan, a nine million pound program to work with some uh, German development agency protecting elephants in Zambia. And Boris Johnson, he says, simply laughed and said, the Germans, nine, nine. He then sent Rory Stewart away uh, to work on a, a thing uh, for Libya. Um, Rory Stewart proposed a budget working with the UN and the Italians. Um, when he said that the UN and the Italians were going to be involved, Boris Johnson switched off immediately. Um, cultural heritage, he put him in charge of that. And then again, he refused to uh, support a, a fund on cultural heritage. So it's, it's an amazing thing. You obviously go and buy the New European this week, but if you want to buy the Times Literary Supplement, uh, please go and do so too. Do you think there's a future for Rory Stewart in politics, or do you think? I, well, you know, again, he's one of my favourite politicians of recent years. Um, we had the little, we had our little glory for Rory campaign, didn't we? When he, um, when he was trying to be the leader of the Conservative Party, um, I think he's a very clever, very sensible um, politician, and he's certainly lived an incredible life. Um, and I liked his, I liked his walk around London, sit on the fence, have a chat to people, stuff. You know, it was different. We got people talking. So yes, I hope so. I really do hope so. I think it's highly unlikely he'll be invited into Boris's cabinet, though. <laughs> on the back of uh, certainly on the back of that. Um, but you know, he he he's a, I think he's a very competent chap, and I like that he's a bit of a character as well. He's not just some boring. Um, you know, he's not just—he's not just a safe pair of hands, which you could suggest that maybe my other favourite current politician, Steer Steer Karma. <laughs> he should definitely Steer Karma. No, we can't talk about that because there may be an ongoing investigation. Um, but um, <laughs> Keir Starmer. <laughs> um, yeah, I like. I think he's great. I think I, I love him to bits, and I'm not surprised by you know. I mean, obviously Max Hastings is no great fan of uh, Boris Johnson either, is he? Quite. Um, he was. Max was his editor, wasn't he, when uh, the Telegraph for a little while. And wasn't it Max Hastings who, a top chap Max Hastings, he's not only a very good uh, historian, I once rang him um, to do a little interview with him about the Falk. There was some, you know, some sort of periodically something will happen in the Falklands, you know, the Argentinians yes. all fly a bit close. It was something small like that. And I rang him. And his wife answered the phone. I presume, well, I presume it was his wife. It could have been his daughter or whatever. If the female uh, answered the phone and said, oh, I'm sorry, he's out, but I'll leave him a little note here on the pad. Um, and, uh, and, and I'll, you know, I'll ask him to get back to you. I think she said he was in Scotland. I think he's got a place in Scotland or something like that. Um, so anyway, 
I thought, oh well, never, not going to probably never hear from Max again. It was one of those things that I kind of felt I had to catch him there and then. Um, a couple of days later, he said, "Oh, I've just walked through the door, and um, and I, I've got this note that you wanted to have a chat about about um, the Falkland Islands." And I interviewed him for about half an hour. He was brilliant. He just walked through the door and taking his shoes off. And the first thing he did was ring little old me. And he said about Boris Johnson. Um, that didn't didn't he said I wouldn't trust him with my wife or something like that. He, he, he made some comment along those lines, I think. He did. Um, yeah, so um so Max is probably well placed. I think did he I'm not sure if he did sack him. Did he sack him? I think he might have done. Uh, yeah, he did he did sack him. He, he said did. he sacked he said in the piece he he says Oh Max Max Hastings, yes, I yeah. think he did. Um in the piece, Rory Stewart very amusingly says, um says um Boris Johnson um, sacked some uh, quite a lot of the heavy hitters in his cabinet, uh, and he, he also sacked other people, including me. Um, <laughs> check that piece out. We are being joined by um, the great Mitch Ben, which is uh, hey. which is uh, hey, there you are. I am. You're lurking in the far corners, but we can hear you. How <laughs> lovely, Mitch. How lovely. How lovely. Sure I'm going to be closer to the microphone. Is that going to help? That is good. No, How's we that? Can is hear that you better? Yeah. We can hear you loud and clear. How was the US election for you, Mitch? I didn't watch it, but I couldn't stop refreshing Twitter. I mean, I made the decision that I wasn't going to sit up and watch it. Just because, well, sitting up and watching votes has just become an extraordinarily painful thing. I mean, <laughs> I, I, have, I haven't had one that I've enjoyed for literally 15 years now. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, I just I just thought I'm not... And also because my experience of the... Uh, the 2016 presidential election was just uniquely traumatic. I was actually on my own in a hotel room in Salford. Oh. Um, bizarrely, I'd just been on Celebrity Mastermind. <laughs> and what was your specialist subject? <coughs> Peter Cook. Peter Cook. Did, you, Peter did Cook. you win? I did win. Thank oh, you. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> From great highs to great lows. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So I got to be happy about that for literally about four hours and then sat on my own in this hotel room in Salford watching the World Cup on it, you know, because I don't think... It's hard to it's hard to overstate just how unexpected that was, um, you know. And, and in retrospect, you know, we've had four years of really should have seen it coming, but we did not see it coming. I mean, that to me was a far bigger shock than the Brexit referendum. I actually wasn't that surprised by that. I was hugely disappointed, obviously, but I wasn't that surprised. I always knew it was going to be a, a one or two point squeaker one way or the other, and every bit as likely to go leave as it was remain. So I keep being told that that was a total jaw dropper, and it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't anything. Trump was a jaw dropper. That was out of the blue. Nobody saw that coming. It was a statistical impossibility right until it happened. And in retrospect, of course, you can see how it happened, why it happened. You understand that, you know, yeah, there was probably a, a fair degree of interference and shenanigans, blah, blah, blah. And it's always, uh, you know, one of the, the, the great weaknesses of the electoral college system is that it, in, in anything other than a landslide year, it actually makes it not that difficult to stitch up a presidential election. Because it will come down to one or two swing states. And those one or two swing states will come down to one or two swing districts. Um which will probably be decided one way or the other by a couple of thousand votes. And really, anybody who's old enough to remember 2000, and I am old enough to remember Bush Vigo in 2000, remember that, you know, that, that's how, you know, that, 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 that didn't exactly pass the smell test. And uh, I think that, 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 that's put a sort of a, a slow poison into the American body politic ever since, the idea that well, we know that you can do this. We know that you can 
basically bully your way into winning a presidential election that you haven't actually won because Bush didn't win. George Bush didn't win. I mean, nine months later, it was 9-11 and suddenly it became complete anathema yeah. to point that out ever again. You were never allowed to point out ever again that George W. Bush did not win. Um, and, and, and but that I think, yeah, and, and, you know, obviously the much has been made of this, that um, the the, uh, the the Republicans have lost seven out of the last eight popular votes. I know. Mm -hmm. 2004 is the only time they've won it really in, in, in recent history. But because of, you know, the, the, the way... I mean, also partly because these are 18th century systems set up in place in total ignorance of what America was ultimately going to become. I mean, when the Electoral College was founded, there were 13 states that were all roughly equal in population. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, there's 50 states. Some of them are 20 or 30 times the size of some of the others in population. And that's why the Senate massively benefits the Republicans, because all the states get two senators each irrespective of population. So you've got um, you know, California's got about 40 million people, two senators, you know, representing 20 million people each. And North and South Dakota, have got, I don't think, got less than a million between them. And they've got four senators. Um, so I, I think this was pointed out that after the confirmation of uh, Amy Coney Barrett, somebody did the maths and realized that, you know, again, the 52-48, that dread ratio, that the, uh, the 48 uh, Democratic senators who voted against their confirmation uh, actually had been given 15 million more votes than the 52 Republican senators who voted for it. You know, so the, the, the Senate's always going to skew Republican. It's going to be very interesting to see what, if anything, Joe Biden can do about this on the still slightly cavalier assumption that he does actually win because it's not actually 100%. It's like 98% at the moment, but it's not 100%. How, where were you guys? Where were you Were you watching? Well, I've been, I've been glued to... to to CNN, um, right. which is um, which is just a, a constant feed of, of um, well, it, it's it's a constant feed of fairly reassuring data. It's been over the last day or so. It was looking a bit Good. hairy um, yeah. um, overnight. Um, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 an extraordinary thing. It, I, I I still can't work out which is the worst electoral system, whether it's the the American one. Um, or whether it's our one, but when you see, I think, I think you know, they're, sort of they're both and, they're both bad in their own ways. I yeah, think. exactly. When you see you that know, three and, and a half million, you can be three and a half million in front, and this is basically go, all going to be decided by about a hundred thousand votes in you know one or two states. It is in, in one or two districts, in one or two states. Well, this is it, and this is why um, you know. Um, in this country, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that one of the developments that we have now that we appear to have <sighs> at least people with a vague passing familiarity with the real world running the Labour Party again, um, that they've really got to throw their, their weight behind electoral reform. It's always been a very difficult thing to sell in this country and also an almost impossible thing to enact because first past the post, for all its glaring inadequacies, Anybody in a position to do anything about it has, by definition, just benefited from it, and as such, is probably rather loath to change it. But and, and and also, it's very difficult to get either of the big two to come out against first past the post because the other one will immediately seize upon that as an admission that they can't win under the rules as they are. Yeah. Um, but I, I think right now, Labour needs to acknowledge that it probably can't win under the rules as they are. Um, 
But he probably needs to win under first past the post before it can change the rules the other way, doesn't it? And of course, well, it's not that long ago, is it? Since we had the, um, since we had, what was it? Two, was it 2012? It seems like a million years ago when we had. Yeah, it does, yeah, on. yeah. When we had the AV referendum. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that was, that was the Tory stitching up the Lib Dems. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, it's, and, and also the, the word alternative vote, you don't call that because you say alternative and half of Middle England immediately soils itself. You know what I mean? Anything with the word alternative in it, it just, they just, it just freaks them out. Um, like alternative comedy. What's that? Like alternative comedy. Quite frankly, yes. Anything with the word alternative, they just think, oh, that's for strange people. Oh, you know, you know, only strange people like alternative things. Whereas, it's you know, alternative to being funny, as Jim Davidson used to say. I've got, I've and got Gary Bushell. I've got a couple of stories about Jim Davidson. Um, <laughs> he's he, he's he's a deeply bad person. Um, he really is. You know, he's he's, he's a thoroughly repellent human being. But anyway, another hand of that. Um, yeah. Um, that, but what you, what you the way you need what you need to do, and this is actually this was the, the subject of my column a couple of months ago. Um, what you need to do is you need a, a, an electoral pact in the meantime. Um, admit yeah. that you're not getting Scotland back in the foreseeable future. Cut a deal with the SNP. Stay out of their way. Stay out of Liberal's way in the Tory Lib Dem marginals. Marginals. Stay out of Caroline Lucas's way in Brighton. And um, yeah, actually have a concrete electoral pact. And if you want to, you know, and call it the ABCs, anyone but the Conservatives, you know, um, for, for because we have right now, you know, we're, for all that we can, like, as you say, as you correctly point out, for all that we're currently sneering at the Electoral College, we currently have a system where by any given time we're being governed by a party that has basically got the active support of about 30% of the population. Mm. Um, because we, yeah, we usually get about a two-thirds turnout. And the user and the winning party generally gets about 40, 42, 43 percent. So we are at any given time being ruled by a party whom 70 percent of the population either failed to endorse or actively imposed, opposed. Yeah, and, and, and that can't be right, however you split it. But yeah, the way you get around it is you have it, you know, and this is, you know, if you read the column, this is my, my sort of address to the to the butthurt Corbyn Easters is look, look, don't split off from the party don't try and drive Keir Starmer out don't split off from the party yet all right stick with it for as long as it takes to get this electoral pact for so and then you know force you know and then whenever the next election comes and I personally have a strange feeling it isn't going to be 2024 I think it's going to be sooner but that's just a hunch um whenever the next election is force a hung parliament with your big happy uh, you know center and center left coalition and then when you get proportional representation in, that's when you split. That's when you run off and cut from, you know, the, you know, the real Labour Party or the I can't believe it's not Labour Party or the, you know, <laughs> utterly labour or whatever you want to call it or the, you know, the, the, the sons of Jeremy or whatever you want to call it. And then not only will the Tories have a hell of a job ever getting any kind of majority ever again, but you might actually get some seats in this new parliament. That's, that's what they want to do. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter then, does it? How many how many parties there are? There are probably you know two or three parties within the Conservative Party as well. Well, of course there are, and again, and you would probably begin to see that as well. You see, this is one of the things about you know because this this argument is being had for my entire lifetime. This and, and at every time it comes up, the things that are brought up as reasons why you don't want to do it. The European way, why you don't push representation, is that ah well then then you end up with parties being torn apart by factual infighting and elections every couple of years. Um, 
Exactly. Yeah, first past the post just is imagine. singularly failing. Yeah, first past the post is singularly failing to protect us from that at the moment. So, if, if that's the only reason to hold on to it, then that's you know no reason at all. But anyway, then. Well, but imagine. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's the you know you can have you can have this strong and stable conservative government, or you can have chaos with Ed Miliband. It's, yeah, it's, I noticed that Ed actually changed his Twitter handle to that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> chaos with Ed Miliband, he was called. As a as a, yeah. a as a comedian, yeah, if Donald Trump loses this election. Are you going to miss him in any way? Are you going to miss the not material even slightly? Not there. There is not a cell in my body that will miss Donald Trump. All right, I yeah, I've 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 got material out of him. I've cracked gags out of him. But I've got to the point right now where if I just never have to hear his damn voice again, I will be delighted. All right. Uh, no, I mean, this, 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 this is a question that is asked of comedians and particularly, um, you know, satirical political comedians a lot of the time. That, yeah, but it's better for you, though, isn't it? It's better when it's all kind of crap. It's better when it's all kicking off. It's better when, you know, when, when, you, when you've got loony governments in. It's better, you know, because it's easier. And, and, and don't you prefer it? Didn't you prefer it when George Bush is in instead of Obama? You know? and, and somebody, I saw John Stewart being asked this many, many years ago. And I would like to entirely associate myself with his responses. What are you out of your mind? You know, it's like, you know I've got children for God's sake. I'm, if, if, if the flip side of my, you know, if, 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 if the downside of my kids growing up in a stable world where the country isn't on the brink of either economic or ecological collapse in any given minute, just to soothe the fragile egos of a bunch of racists. If the downside of that is that I have to think a bit harder to come up with zingers, then I'm more than happy to take that on board, okay? No, I will not miss Donald Trump in the... I can't even look at impressions of him anymore. One of the... Re I haven't seen any of that new spitting image on BritBox, and it's not because I don't think it's any good. I have no idea if it's any good. I can't face Donald Trump impressions now. You know, I, I, I just... Everything about him is loathsome. And the sooner I can forget about him, the better. Well, we, 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 we might be able to do it, you know, although, <laughs> although the, I mean, if, if he does lose, I just cannot wait for the, the you know, the, the inside, the, the sort of the fly on the wall stuff of the, the rage and impotent fury that is, oh, is going on in his in his, uh, his close circle right now, you know, he he's he's going to go out like Jimmy Cagney at the end of Angels with Dirty Faces, literally screaming and crying and hanging onto the radiator. You know, what I mean, um, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, this is but this is but this is what has led me to be you know pessimistic about this election. And if I'm proved wrong, I'll be overjoyed to be proved wrong, which is just he can't afford to lose. This is not like any other previous presidential election, whereby if the incumbent loses or one of the candidates lose, they're like, ah, ah, well, never mind. Guess I'll go write my memoirs, you know. Um, it's not that deal. He's in a world of trouble if he loses. He's backed himself into the absolute classic kleptocrat's corner, which is that he's committed so many flagrant offences in plain sight for the past four years that it's now quite literally only the Oval Office that's keeping him out of jail. Um, the, the, the minute he's not president anymore, the minute he's a private citizen, the Senate can no longer protect him. The minute anybody else is attorney general other than Bill Barr, 
the Justice Department will come after it. And there's no, and there's no, you know, right now he's protected. Right now it's not even a law, it's only a convention that the Justice Department won't indict a sitting president. And that the only legal means for going after a sitting president is the House can impeach and the Senate can convict. And of course the Senate's on the payroll, so the Senate is not going to convict. So right now he's basically invulnerable and has been for four years as the impeachment process um, at the beginning of the year demonstrated. He's been basically, well, ever, certainly ever since, yeah, well, not the whole time. He's had the Senate the whole time. He's basically been invulnerable. And for the first two years he had the House as well, so he wasn't even going to get impeached. Whereas the minute all that goes away, the minute he's a private citizen again, the Senate can't protect him. And the minute anybody other than his own chosen placeman is running the Justice Department, the Justice Department will come after him. And he's liable for a couple of hundred years worth of jail time just for the stuff that we've seen him do live on TV. Um, and this is why kleptocrats end up becoming dictators. They can't afford to leave. It's, it's too dangerous for them to leave. So they so that's why they stitch up the election and then they abolish the elections and then they declare themselves president for life. A lot of these guys, when they come to power, all they want to do is get rich. They don't want to be president for the rest of their life. Who the hell wants to be president when you're 90, you know? But it becomes to the point where what you have to do is close down all the mechanisms which might possibly keep you in check and just cling on to a grim death until it, till one of your sons is old enough to take over. And that's what we see happening in, you know, Timpok dictatorships all over the world. And that is probably what the plan is for America. And, and I think the reason that he's so furious at the moment, and the thing you've got to remember about Trump, of course, is he projects everything he accuses other people of doing. It's because it's what he's doing. And the reason they're accusing the Democrats of trying to stitch everything up right now it's because they have been trying to stitch everything up and it doesn't appear to be working. That's what's driving him nuts. They've done everything they can possible. So far, they've still got a few tricks up their sleeve, but so far they've done absolutely everything possible to stitch this election up. He put his own guy in, Louis DeJoy, in the Postal Service, and he has been deliberately sabotaging the Postal Service to, to try and keep the mail ballots from getting delivered. And, uh, you know, and, and that is one of the reasons why they're, they're going so nuts now about these, these ballots still being counted and the way they're completely framing it as if these are votes which are now being cast. These are not votes now being cast. Even Kavanaugh said in one of his decisions lately, the idea that, you know, what happens if there's a big Republican score on the night and then the absentee ballots get up and flip the result? It's like, no, no, you don't flip the result. There is only one result. No result. Yeah. And there hasn't been one yet. That's when not flipping. That's counted. not flipping the result. That's decide. That's determining the result. You know. I do. But this I is how they're presenting it. They're presenting it like we've already won, and now they're taking it away. And unfortunately, about forty percent, well, maybe not forty percent, but just as hardcore, which is at least about thirty percent, the amount of people are going to believe him. Yeah, I love the um, suggestion from his um, a guy who worked on his transition team. who was on the Today program, I think, on. Thursday morning, who yeah. said, well, if he loses, he'd he just run again in, in 2024. Well, there's also. nothing to stop him running again in 2024. He's allowed um, to do unless, that. Unless he's in jail or out the country. It would be hard to run from jail. I, I, it would I, be hard uh, to run from jail. Or, you know, or also hard to run from whatever country with no extradition treaty he's hiding out in. Yeah, And, and they, they really do have to come after him. They do have to come after him. Is there, a, is there an extradition treaty from Mar-a-Lago? I don't know whether there is or not. <laughs> I don't know, but there isn't one from Russia, and I understand he has a lot of powerful friends there, you know. Although, to what extent... Really they're going to be a bit running... short of time, Mitch. Um, I, did wanna, I did want to ask you... Um, I, I did want to ask you, obviously, we're, we're, we're now in the second lockdown, and it's been yes. pretty brutal for 
everybody in the creative business, but what's it been like for comedians? Uh, I can't speak for comedians as a whole because I've actually done okay, largely because through sheer good fortune, I must add there, and through no element of sort of wise planning or judgment on my part, I've been moving more and more of my stuff online for the past two or three years before this all kicked off. So, for example, I already had like a Patreon thing up and running with enough subscribers to, you know, provide an income stream. I've got big happy smile towards a new European. I've got my newspaper column and that really helps. Um, so I've actually not done so bad, but a lot of very good friends of mine are horribly struggling because, well, you know, they're, they're still dependent almost entirely upon getting paid for live work, of which there's been pretty much none all year. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I know that for the creative industries as a whole, it's been a very, very, very lean season. And again, one always suspects, this is one of the troubles with populism, one always suspects with populism that part of the point of populism is is, is acts of performative scorn and cruelty towards anybody that your base despises. You know, pe people don't vote for Donald Trump because they think he's going to help them. They vote for him because they think he's going to hurt people that they hate. And, <laughs> you know, and there's an element of that with the Boris yeah. Johnsons of the world. So you can point out that in actual fact, the creative sector in this country is not only just about the last field in which we really are an international big deal. You know, they're not, nobody's buying our cars, nobody's eating our food, but they're still watching our TV shows. They're still going to see our bands and buying their records. Even if they're not watching our movies, they're coming here to make their movies still, you know, as, as they always have been. Um, so it's just about the last field in which Britain really is world-beating, to borrow a horribly soiled phrase just for a moment. Um, <laughs> And also it contributes more to the national economy than the entire agricultural sector, for example. But, you've all, but you know, it has to be, it has to be uh, left to suffer because bloody whinging lovies, whinging bloody lovies. That's <laughs> why, you know, um, because we are right now and hopefully America is about to emerge from this week follow suit we have been for the past few years in a world that's governed largely by spite and um, that's not good for the human race and here's hoping we're emerging from it that seems like a great place to uh, to, to, to finish um, you can get Mitch Ben's column in the, the print edition of the New European and online Mitch how do people find you on Patreon and other such things Oh, well, I mean, just if you Google Mitch Ben, M-I-T-C-H-B-E-N-N, then I'm all over the place. But my Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash Mitch Ben. My website is mitchben.com. I am Mitch Ben. I'm, I'm pretty damned easy to find online. I'm Mitch Ben on Twitter, you know. I'm, uh, I, I like to be approachable, but of course it does mean you get approached. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> to be on podcasts. Hi. <laughs> Thank absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was Mitch Ben. Uh, a, a tour de force and a very funny chap and um uh check him out online there's some great stuff and and uh, and his columns are always uh insightful and make me chuckle too uh why don't we have a little breather and then we will crown a brexiteer of the week brexiteer of the week welcome back it is time steve to crown a brexiteer of the week 
Yes, and once again, there are numerous candidates. Um, before we talk about the American election specifically, I, I, I just want to mention a couple of kind of co-idiots here. Martin Daubney, who I've mentioned before, former Brexit Party MEP, Lawrence Fox's mate, self-styled warrior against these virtue signaling woke snowflakes. I, I was take, very taken by this thing that he wrote on Twitter the other day. Um, he's, Remembrance Sunday is coming up, of course, uh, and then we are in lockdown. He wrote, stay at home, good luck with that. I and many others, I reckon, would rather face jail than mishonouring remember, Remembrance Sunday. Now, I think it is possible, Martin, to remember the fallen and those who served from the comfort and privacy of your own home without actually putting more of the generation who, who lived through World War II in increased danger. And surely the feeling that you need to make a public show of your support is just, um, I don't know what the term is, it's virtue signaling. Julia Hartley Brewer, Harshly Brewer, that should be her name, <laughs> Julia Brewer. Um, it's another one. She has kind of been railing against this second lockdown. She's a, a radio host, of course, uh, former journalist. Uh, she has predicted that not a single life will be saved by this lockdown in the long run. Um, you might want to think twice about taking Julia Hartley Brewer's word for that, because on September the 29th, she tweeted that there was an upcoming COVID press conference. And she said, maybe this will be the one where they announce the plague of locusts or they admit that they're prediction of 200 deaths a day was not a very honest example scenario and of course we now see the the death toll um well over 200 a day um it was 326 on saturday i think it's been even more than that but uh, uh, the the real brexiteers of the week for me are two um well one organization and one person who really have made fools of themselves during this um, election campaign. I think whether Donald Trump wins or not, um, one of them is the Sunday Express, which is obviously the House Journal of Brexiteers. Um, a big poll in there at the weekend revealing that Donald Trump was, um, was going to win a one-point lead in the popular vote um, and was going back to the White House. Um, obviously, we don't know whether he's going back to the White House or not. It looks like he isn't, but his one point lead in the uh, in the electoral popular vote has not happened. Um, the prediction that Joe Biden would get only 212 seats in the Electoral College and Trump would get 326 has not happened. The Express said that this would all be down to shy Trump voters, and it does seem that uh, quite a lot of them were so shy that they didn't actually go and vote for Donald Trump. But what I really wanted to mention was this extraordinary piece by Paul Baldwin. Have you seen this? Um, on uh, in the Daily Express, it says if Biden wins, the UK will suffer badly, and it will be entirely because of Remainers. If Joe Biden sneaks a win in this messiest of US elections, Britain will face terrible economic damage. The fault will lie squarely at Theresa May, the feet of Theresa May and a rabble of Remainer cohorts. Uh, Biden has made no secret of his, the fact that his loyalty lies with the uh, EU. He will have no qualms in uh, scuppering Anglo-American Anglo trade deals. Without the supine Brexit apologists, Britain would have already nailed a deal with Donald Trump. Uh, and they would have done it without the timidity of Mrs May's crew and the deliberate anti-democratic sabotage of the rest. That's people like you and me he's talking about. Well, do you know frankly, what? <laughs> it frankly borders on high treason. 
it's high treason that we oppose something. It's amazing, isn't it? Do you know what though? He's, he's I mean, obviously he's he's, he's wrong. Um, because if and and I don't like I don't really like remainers and leavers and all that kind of thing anymore. I think everyone's allowed to have their own opinion, and we're allowed to make fun of them. They're allowed to make fun of us. Fine, but but frankly, it isn't because of remainers that if Biden wins, it, it, it it's because it, it's actually the opposite. It's because of leavers because we would have been. Right at the top of the tree there as part of the EU. Well, exactly. And it's also <laughs> part of the fact that, you know, we, we, we're trying to do a trade deal, which we're trying to change the withdrawal agreement and stitch up Northern Ireland, which obviously Joe Biden, as a man of Irish descent, um, feels very strongly about, as do a lot of the, you know, the Democratic Party um, <laughs> and, and a lot of Americans of, e- of either political persuasion. So, um, so quite amazing. But the Brexiteer of the week. Let me guess. Um, well, it could only be the nicotine stained <laughs> Manfred, Nigel Farage. Um, I mean, a massive shock. A, a lot of bullish predictions from Farage this week. Um, it looks like his time of influence is happily coming to a close at the at the White House. Of course, that is only his sort of side hustle, isn't it? And you know, Farage. I think the sense that. Um, the sense that that Trump might be about to lose, you could you could kind of tell because um, he's now venturing back into British politics, relaunching the Brexit Party as the anti-lockdown reform UK. And I noticed that um, when he relaunched this, um, it says on their website, um, businesses and jobs are being destroyed. We must put COVID into perspective. Um, he wrote on their website, and surely it must be a very ni- different Nigel Farage who wrote in for an op-ed in Newsweek earlier this year um, which was titled protecting us all from an epidemic should be prioritized over the economy mm. it said the first duty of any government is to protect the well-being of its citizens and their country in times of crisis the economy must always come second I don't know how that squares with what he says now businesses and jobs are being destroyed we must put Covid into perspective during this election campaign I mean we've seen some extraordinary things um we saw the, the the brilliant tweet where he said being at a donald trump rally is like being at a music concert um i get the sense that he's not been to many music concerts <laughs> then embarrassing himself twice on uk tv arguing with piers morgan about whether bleach was a disinfectant or not he told uh, andrew neil was that was the best one i don't know whether you were up for this um, he said the evidence of voter fraud with postal voting is there for all to see. Um, Andrew Neil said, where's the evidence? He said, there isn't any because it's so new. It hasn't come to light yet. I mean, <laughs> just it's absolutely extraordinary. Uh. Um, and of course, um, and we're still waiting to see whether this comes true, but he has placed a $10,000 bet on Donald Trump to win the presidency. It was placed when Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, put a similar amount on Joe Biden. And obviously, if Trump loses, uh, Nigel Farage is £10,000 lighter. And it's just a reminder there that his new ease is re- relaunching himself as a financial analyst. <laughs> um, for, uh, for, through his Fortune and Freedom newsletter, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, he's advising people how to wisely uh, use their money. And he's put $10,000 on D- Donald Trump to win the presidency. So... Nigel Farage um, is the Brexiteer of the week. I am not shocked, even in the slightest. He has had quite the week, um, and uh, and he deserves it above all else. Um, well, 
I mean, we haven't even talked about lockdown, really. We haven't. There's so much going on that we could have filled the show with, um, and we still, of course, don't know um, if if Donald Trump um, will be booted out of the White House quite or not. I was hoping for like last week we had breaking news on the podcast, didn't we? Yeah, with Jeremy exciting. And I was hoping for similar um, this week, but I, and I have been checking just to see is those counts. But we America's not really woken up yet, has it? So. We will have to wait. Where, where, where I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it now, and Trump is, what is he? He's 19,000 ahead in Georgia, and there are 50,000 votes left to, to be counted. So that's where we are right now. We, 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 we sort of... Georgia would take Trump envious of 230, you. I think. Georgia would take Trump to 230. It's Nevada, isn't it? Uh, it's well, it's it's I mean, Pennsyl- Pennsylvania where they, the the Democrats are extremely confident. They're, they're still a, a substantial way behind, but um, they might not need it. That's the thing because we're expecting Nevada before you listen to this pod. Most definitely, we're, we might not get Pennsylvania until the day of the pod's release. But if we get Nevada, that will take Joe to two seventy. Amazing, amazing times, amazing times. It's well, news, but he's, I don't think there's ever been a president. If it is President Joe Biden or President-elect Joe Biden until January at least, I don't think there's ever been a president that has had such a big job on his hands. And to be perfectly honest, um, four years, I know he's only going to do one term, but eight eight years, say, if he handed over to another Democrat, will will not be enough. You know, this is going to take 12, 16 years. I love America. I love her with all my heart and and, um, her people as well. Um, but there is a lot of repair that needs to be done in that country, very sadly, and um, and it, it's going to take a long, long time, and hopefully a, a, a long line of sensible heads um, to make yeah. sure that something like this never ever happens again. I do um, think I do think he deserves a little bit of credit, though, because he is a guy. I mean, he if he wins the election, he has won the election by telling America there is it's going to be a cold, dark winter ahead. Yeah. And this is a battle for the soul of America. Yeah, and yeah. he's running against a man who says, it's, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, and we're yeah. making America great again. And we're all yeah. going to be really rich. I and mean, on, on, I, I, am, I am a sort of a bit of a student of, of campaigns and how they're winnable. And this, you know, it did sometimes just smell a little bit like Theresa May's 2017 yeah. campaign. Listen, I've got nothing against Joe Biden. I don't think he's a great candidate, but I think he's a decent man, and I think he's got the. I think he has got the, um, uh, you know, he's in politics for the right reasons, and uh, and I think that he will be an, you know, an absolute godsend for not just America but the whole world. And I think he'll actually be probably quite a good president, to be honest. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be a steady in hand. What they've got to do is get. Um, Kamala Harris ready and waiting because in four years' time she's going to have to she's going to have to come out of the stocks pretty sharp and hopefully we we can get you know another another Democrat president in and hopefully it'd be her because she's been very impressive, hasn't she? Well, she has. Let's get this one out first. Let's get um, this one out first. Okay, what should the listener do now? Well, what should the listener do right now? If you enjoyed this podcast and we enjoyed it, thank you to Mitch Ben. Then please uh, subscribe at your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a great review. Um, please buy the new European print edition three pounds in shops now. One, two, three. Uh, two deals on the new European website. You can get 25 quid for 13 issues. That's a saving of 14 pounds over six months. Get it, su- subscribe, 
so just subscribe to the new European print edition. You get it delivered during lockdown. Or there's a rolling subscription, £6 a month for three months, then £8 a month thereafter. Uh, go to that's you can go to the neweuropean.co.uk and subscribe there. Uh, at tneshop.co.uk, you can buy uh, new European face masks, uh, European flag, the message rejoin, lots and lots of those. Join our Facebook readers group. It's much better than the Donald Trump uh, Facebook group that I'm now a member of. Um, <laughs> you can follow the New European on Twitter at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey. S A N G L E S E Y. Um, oh, and you can follow you, Porrit. You can follow me, Porrit at Porrit P O R R I Double T. What an absolute pleasure! Thank you, Mitch Ben. Thank you, Mr. Anglesey. Thank you, Matt Withers, the man behind the scenes who makes this all happen. And thank you, the listener. Until next week. So long, snowflakes. Here you go. Crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.